This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the latest episode of the Total Saints podcast. I'm Martin Stark, and each week I'm joined by our panel of Saints experts to reflect on the last seven days following Southampton Football Club. Once again, we're streaming this episode of TSP Live tonight. It's on our Twitter and our Facebook pages, and you can also find it over on our YouTube channel. Uh, Coming up this week on the pod, reaction to the defeat at Norwich on Saturday, and we look ahead to the trip to Liverpool at the weekend. So first, let me introduce you to our guests this week, the owner of Saints Web, Steve Grant, who, if you're not familiar with uh, Steve's travel movements, is in Dubai at the moment on work. Have you been able to catch some live sport this week, Steve? Yeah, I uh, I found out that um, China are playing their home World Cup qualifiers in Sharjah, just down the road from here. So I uh, I went along to their game with uh, with Australia on was that Tuesday? That was all right. I mean, it was a terrible stand of football, and Australia are going to get absolutely humped if they get. Um, if they qualify, which looks like they probably should still still scrape through, but they're nowhere near the side they were even even three years ago in in Russia. Um, they're going to get battered by everybody, unfortunately for them. But they got they got a, got a draw out of that game, which is probably probably just about enough. But yeah, not a, not a particularly high standard of football at the moment. But it was a game nonetheless. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> also with us is writer of the blog League One Minus 10. That's Glenn Delacour. I hope the game hasn't ruined your weekend too much. Glenn, are you sharpening the pencil for the next blog? Um, yeah. Yeah, I've um, sharpened it, written the blog, <laughs> crossed it out, <laughs> started again. Um, yeah, there's um, yeah, there's quite a lot to get through uh, with regards to um, Saturday's game without being yeah. too negative. Absolutely. It was on my birthday as well. So that was a great... <laughs> great present at the end of the day um yeah awesome stuff so uh so yeah the 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 blog will probably be a little bit more fiery than it uh, has been of late uh when it eventually comes out good i look forward to that Uh, also with us the other face you can see or voice you can hear is the athletics dedicated saints reporter that's dan sheldon uh how was norwich dan i know you were there yesterday yeah it wasn't too bad long day forgot to book a hotel so ended up going back there and in, in one day but it was fine it was good decent atmosphere shame about the result but yeah, all in all, was uh, not not a too bad day. Saw some people I knew, so yeah, it was good. And is, is the catering at Norwich as good as you'd expect it to be, or is that just a rumor? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I imagine Delia's probably cooking other stuff for the directors as opposed to what we're getting in the press lounge. But it was very good. I, you know, I'm not going to complain. Good, good. Uh, well, the biggest hello and thank you, as always, is reserved to our patrons. So wherever you're listening or wherever you're watching, welcome to episode 176 of the Total Saints podcast. This is the Total Saints podcast with Martin Stark, Steve Grant, Glenda LaCour and the Athletics Dan Sheldon.
Now, it was very much a tale of two halves at Caro Road. We shall discuss them both individually, of course, but having had a bit of time to reflect on the game, what did you make of it all, Steve? It's, it's just one of those game of two halves, wasn't it, from us? The, and it's so frustrating that that second half was almost certainly the absolute worst half half of football that we've put together all season. Even that Wolves game that was fairly dreary and the second half at Everton that was just staggeringly incompetent at times. It was just odd that we just got completely rattled and then shot ourselves in the foot with a combination of terrible substitutions and terrible defending from a from a bog standard set piece. First half we were excellent, I thought, and and I mean, getting that goal early early on, the first three minutes, when you're thinking, well, the crowd's going to be really up for this. Um, we've got to, got to quieten them down quickly. And we did exactly that. And you kind of thought, right, okay, no, we've we've got this. And then ref doesn't give us a doesn't give us a free kick, which I mean, I think more often than not that gets given. And the space that Walker Peters has left um is where the cross comes from. And that was a good header by Pookie, but I think I think McCarthy is probably going to be a little bit disappointed not keeping it out sort of that close to the near post. We'll get on to Alex McCarthy later, I'm sure, in detail. Does it feel like we've taken a step backwards, though, Glenn? Or do you think we may be getting a bit carried away after a couple of good results? No, because of the the standard of teams that we've been playing, the, we've been playing recently are, are the, the teams we expect to pick up points against. Um, if you get beat by one of the big boys, then it's expected and you, you come away from the game, even if you've lost, feeling that, Oh well, we you know we've we've lost a game that we were expected to lose. This game is one that we should have got three points from, no question. So in respect of how many points we should have after this number of games, it, it is a step backwards. Um, we've done this before at Norwich. We've gone up there and, and when they've been awful, and we've played terribly and, and got beat one 0 or something like that. So it it wasn't a total surprise, but the the way it came about, as as Steve alluded to, was was. Very, very disappointing, and we, we did literally load the gun and then shoot ourselves. It was um, it was poor, and um, yeah, get, getting not even getting a draw out of it is is pretty ropey, to be honest. It did feel like this result has been coming for a while, though, Dan. The warning signs have certainly been there. We've spoken about it, you've written about it, and it was all about not taking those chances again. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think I think they kind of in recent weeks they they, they didn't score the goals that you know we'd like them to, but. I think it kind of brushed off the thought that that performance was coming because they seem to have got over that. You know, they were keeping clean sheets and defending well and McCarthy was making good saves. Whereas on Saturday, I, I kind of agree with everything that Steve and Glenn has said, really. I, I said to our Norwich colleague or my Norwich colleague, Michael Bailey, it's that horrible cliche, but you kind of feel like if Southampton can get the first goal, then that just takes all the wind out of Norwich's sails. And because they got it so early on, you just thought, right, here we go then. This this you know this should be a fairly routine win, but yeah, it, it, I thought it was right in front of us where we were sat in the press box. I thought it was a foul on Walker Peters, and yeah, I think McCarthy will kind of look at himself and think he he should have done better, but and and yeah, he should have done. He's been beating it as near post twice yesterday, but then also as Ralph said after the game, for the first goal he still ran sixty yards and managed to get across in. And I know Walker Peters was out of position, but could they have defended better was kind of Ralph's point. And I think they, they probably could have. I mean, the second one was just, yeah, shocking. But I, I don't think it's been coming. You know, they, they've beaten the teams that you'd expect them to beat. So I think everyone kind of expected them to go to Norwich and beat Norwich. I certainly did, but but they didn't. So yeah, for me, it hasn't been coming, but it's a disappointing one either way. Yeah. Let's start with the only change to the side that beat Aston Villa, which was Diallo coming in for the injured Stuart Armstrong, um, which given the other right-sided options, that was a bit of a strange one. Did that work for you, Steve? Could you see the logic behind that? Not hugely. 
Um, I mean, Diallo, as, as we discussed before, had been impressive in those um, three games he played whilst Will Prowse was suspended. But trying to trying to accommodate all three of them into into the central midfield, which effectively necess- necessitated a change of formation to effectively go to a four three three, just seemed a little bit seemed a little bit like we were overthinking it. I mean, lads. It, to, to coin the old Sir Alex Ferguson um, team talk, lads, it's Norwich. You should be able to go out there and play our normal game um, with our normal system and beat the team that up until two weeks ago hadn't won a single game all season. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it kind of felt as if Diallo wasn't quite sure where he needed to be uh, most of the time. There were, I mean, while, like when he got on the ball, he, he was neat and tidy and um, did a lot of very good things. It felt as if, like him and a couple of other players seem to be kind of getting in each other's way at, at times. Um, I thought Romeo was excellent and it was weird that he was the one that got taken off because ultimately it's that that leadership in a in a situation where you've got sort of a rocking crowd sort of ro- trying to sort of get behind their team where you need that little bit of leadership just to kind of steady the ship a little bit and taking him off basically removed all of that. But yeah, I mean, you look at look at who we had left on the bench. Teller again is is left unused. I mean, Walcott came on and other than that missed header, which I mean, it's it was a it was a tough, reasonably tough chance for someone that you know isn't great in the air. Hmm. Um, but you would have fancied, you'd probably fancy Shea Adams to score that. And taking off our our inform inform scorer again just seemed seemed strange. So yeah, a lot of a lot of weirdness going on with the with the selection and the substitutions. And it was weird, particularly strange, because given last month, it kind of looked it kind of seemed as if Ralph had got over his his sort of almost like a, a vi- this virus of of not knowing when when to make subs or which one which ones were were going to positively impact the team and he's he's made two that have quite clearly made us significantly worse mm. um for the remainder of that game so that, so yeah I mean it's disappointing um but even so that that team the team that we picked based on first half performance at least should have been good should still have been good enough to have been two or three goals to the good at half time and we got off to the best possible start glenn that was a great strike from che adams i think that's five goals now is it in six games if you include scotland what did yep. you make of the goal and the, the start and the, the the relationship between the two of them up front well they they started very well i mean and it you know it was a great goal armstrong poked it forward and adams you know you, that's what he's good at. He's good at holding off defenders just and finding the yard. And it was, it was a good finish. That was kind of what I expected because Norwich are poor at the back. But then they kind of proved that. They were very committed. You know, the amount of blocks they pulled off in the, the rest of the first half. Um, if you if you watch the highlights, there's there's sort of like three or four where they, they've got players throwing themselves in the way. So Norwich actually didn't defend that badly. But but individually, I mean, players like I mean, Grant Hanley, who scored the winning goal, he, I mean, he's up there in the conversation as worst player in the Premier League at the moment. Um, and, he, and he showed that, that, that one where Adams went through after Hanley had trodden on the ball and Crawl made a good save. That, you know, that that really should have been the second goal and, and that would have that would have settled things down. But no, Adams started the game well. Adam Armstrong was was busy in the first half but the substitutions that mm. the, they ended up with Adams and Armstrong sort of splitting right and left with Brojar up the middle and so basically you've taken two informed players out of position put Brojar up front and he barely touched the ball it, it, it was hopeless to be honest so we we brought on the big striker and taken off Elianusi who's like the only midfielder who can cross the ball and, and it was bizarre that the, the tactics 
the tactics with the narrow three in midfield, they were okay in the first half whilst the fullbacks were getting forward, which they did to really good effect in the first half. I mean, for me, Livramento was knackered second half. Um, and he seems to get left on for 90 minutes, regardless of how knackered he is. He's obviously had a, a problem over the international break because he got pulled out of the England side, um, so England squad rather. So I, I do I do wonder if, um, you know, there's there's something he, he, he maybe needs a couple of weeks off, maybe stick Perot in and Walker-Peters over the other side. But uh, but yeah, I agree with Steve. There was some there was some there was some strangeness, some strange ideas going on with with that team, and it, it didn't really work in the end. We've spoken about Adams and Armstrong as a partnership looking good, and how Brozier might fit in. How did it work out for you, Dan? Um, the, the two of them up front, they seem to have a good awareness of each other, and uh, you know, there was some chances there. Yeah, the first half was you know, it was impressive from Southampton. They created, I think, they had twelve shots at Norwich's goal. So they were clearly doing something right. I think what actually stifled them and where Ralph got it wrong, which is kind of, as Glenn has already kind of spoken about, or it may have been Steve actually, kind of the mistakes he's made in the past of the wrong subs, not kind of reacting to what's happening in, in the game, which he had been doing really well, I thought, up until Paro Road. Dean Smith changed the scene, he made a sub at half-time, changed the system. That made Southampton play a lot narrower, which meant... Walker Peters and Livermento were no longer outlets on the on the wings. Now in the first half, time and time and time again, they would find either Kyle or, or Tino on the right or the left, and they'd have so much space to kind of run into, put a cross in. But that stopped in the second half. And yeah, just the the, the changes Ralph made were just utterly puzzling. They you know they didn't help. They made the team worse. Adams, yeah, I don't know why you take him off at, at the no. hour mark. Yeah, he was a threat. No. He he clearly got the better of of Hanley on more than one occasion. You just think why. Why take him off for Walcott, who who just hasn't quite done it uh, this season? But that was Ralph's choice. Ralph said after the game that the subs didn't have the effect that he wanted them to, and he said he brought Brozier on because at the time, you know, Norwich were obviously on top, and he thought that there was a better chance for Southampton on the counter attack. But that just kind of failed to materialise as well. So it was just an awful kind of second half at the office for Ralph. And, and for Southampton. Raul, who's watching us live, says, uh, good evening, chaps. He says, I hate to say it, but we've looked less dynamic over 90 minutes since James Ward-Prowse has been back. Is that fair comment, Steve? Is that something that you'd agree on there? Yeah, it's not un- not unreasonable, I don't think. I mean, I think, I mean, Prowse, he had his, had his best game of the season against Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely no problem with with that game. But certainly, did, certainly yesterday, um, he was, I don't know whether it was necessary that we were less dynamic because he was there or we were less dynamic because we were quite congested in the centre of the park. So obviously first, as as Dan said, first half, um, the fullbacks were pushing on and, and getting a lot of joy. And um, I mean, kind of side point, but I mean, Brandon Williams, Jesus, he's rubbish. <laughs> like seriously bad. Um, that's a, that's a good, uh, good one that we've, uh, that we've avoided there. Dodge. Yeah. But yeah, I I didn't think he played played particularly badly, but the problem is that he's got uh, the way his body shape sets up for when he's when he's looking across the ball is so obvious and so easily to te- easy to telegraph that defenders can kind of set themselves for for a certain for a certain body shape and they they can then get themselves ready for the cross. Whereas with other players, when we get into into a sort of crossing position generally it's because we've got behind them and as a result we've we've obviously used a little bit of pace to do that whereas when Prousey's on the ball and crossing from deep I don't know it it just kind of feels we've not made we've not made the defense kind of turn and 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 face their own goal to then try and try and deal with the balls into the box so yeah 
I, I don't know whether it's necessarily we've been less dynamic. I just think that it's, I don't know, possibly slightly more predictable, maybe. It was a sloppy goal to concede the first one, but we still, I felt, looked good after that goal. Diallo could have had the penalty. Do you want to tackle the referee, Glenn? Um, another poor yeah, game. Like to, just bearing in mind that we're bearing in mind we're streaming live and uh, <laughs> the usual. I always get asked the referee. I always get asked the referee question. Um, Martin Atkinson was was last seen not giving us a penalty for Carl Walker's hundred mile an hour body check up at um, up at Manchester City. Yeah, I mean, I, at the time when when Walker Peters got you know went over when Norwich scored the first goal, I didn't think it was a didn't think it was a foul. But when you watch it back. Is it Rashika's got hold of his got hold of his arm for a bit, and then he, he he seems to trip him over. So I can understand Ralph being a bit annoyed about that. But I I don't see with VAR how how that that challenge from Cantwell on Diallo as that cross came over. I I don't see how that's not a penalty. He's quite clearly bumped him in the back. Um, yes, it's soft. You know, I'm surprised that more wasn't made of that to be honest. But there you go. But other other than that, I didn't have any. Um, you know, those two incidents, I don't really have anything too much to complain about Martin Atkinson about. But um, he just didn't really give us anything, did he? There was no, no not really. Like, all, all the, I mean, all the 50-50s generally went went their way. Um, I don't think he gave us anything that, that I kind of looked at and thought, mm, that's, that's, a, that's a little bit of a soft one until about 15, 20 minutes from the end. But yeah, I, no, I mean, you know, Martin Atkinson is not one of my favourite referees, but <laughs> I, I don't think he was too bad yesterday but but yeah we we could certainly we could certainly question the um the opening goal but as you know as you know the game the game's gone on for a good mm. you know 30 40 seconds and and they've ended up scoring it's very good bit of movement by Pookie because he's been marked by Bednarek and he mm. sort of leaves Bednarek and gets across the front of Salazar and it's a good header but yeah McCarthy's like a tree falling down isn't he I mean you you've you've got to save that near post and um we haven't even got to the second goal yet which was equally as bad but tom who's watching our live stream says uh, he says i don't know if it's just me but i believe that bednarak is highly overrated i don't have we, we've not really been bigging him up too much he, he's all right we've been talking about salazut steve do you want to tackle the question about the that goal and and the responsibility for that we're blaming the ref we're blaming the the keeper the defenders no i mean as, i mean as glenn said it's a good bit of movement by pookie which um i mean that's basically the only kind of the only thing he's got really is that he comes comes alive in sort of short sharp little bursts and you've got to be got to be alert to it and, and we weren't Bednarek I think is he's kind of he's at a level but when he first kind of came into the team everyone like you thought you thought oh, great young young promising centre-half who's got a lot of potential but the problem is that the last kind of nine months or so basically this pretty much most of this calendar year he's kind of hit a ceiling of where his performance level can get to and he's kind of sort of bobbing up and down a little bit now obviously didn't start the season in the in the side because jack stevens had obviously impressed ralph during pre-season um i mean salasu now is basically pretty much um carved in blood in that in that um in that first team so it's then a case of who plays alongside him and yeah bednarek's he's he's one of those that for mo- most games you won't notice anything um, he'll kind of be all right. He'll he won't do anything sort of spectacular. He'll win his headers. He'll he'll put his challenges in. He'll make the passes to the right people. He won't won't do anything silly. And then just occasionally he'll just let his marker run. I mean, I don't I don't think that first goal is necessarily his fault because not only has he not only has Pookie left Bednarek, but he's also got ahead of um, Salasu by a good couple of yards. So 
yeah, I mean, it's, there's slight culpability on both of them, but he's got he's got a good few yards ahead of the ahead of the front post. So for him to still get a um, get a header in um, on target and to score, I mean, it's it's a good header. He's got a lot of power on it, but I mean, as Glenn said, McCarthy's got to be doing a lot better there. I think. Yeah. Second half, Norwich changed things around. They upped the tempo. They were much more aggressive. We saw that to a certain extent with Villa in Dean Smith's last game. So should we have seen that coming more, Dan? Do you, do you think they just weren't prepared for that start in the second half? I don't think it was that they, they weren't prepared because they, you know, they dominated the rest of the first half from the moment Norwich scored. It was just they didn't react to what Norwich had done. Mm. It, and you could look at it and think, well, if, you know, they, they all saw the player coming on at half time. It shouldn't take you know, kind of professional football coaches too long to realise what's happened and, and react to that. So should they have expected, I mean, they would have expected a reaction because you, you don't think Norwich could have been much worse. And I'm sure Dean Smith kind of had something to say about it at half time. Going into the second half at no point did I think Southampton were a kind of seed control in that game because they were just so dominant. It was almost as if Norwich's midfield just didn't exist. Every time Southampton just played through them, they weren't there. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the team talk at half time isn't going to be right you know, they're going to do this, this and this. So we do this, this and this. I'm sure it's probably right. Let's carry on doing what we're doing because, you know, we're going to create so many chances. One will go in. It, it didn't. And yeah, the minute Norwich got on top and they were on top for the second half, it, it does lift the crowd because they've got a new manager there. Whatever we've, we've kind of said about Norwich, they're not dead and buried. They're not down. And it turned out to be a great weekend for them. But, you know, the point I'm trying to make is they did, Southampton just didn't react. That was why they didn't win that game is because whether it was outsmarted or whatever by Dean Smith, Dean Smith made the change to change the game. And Southampton conceded two very sloppy goals. And as Ralph often says, you know, it's Premier League football and he got taught a lesson yesterday. Yeah, big time. He just seemed to overcomplicate things, Glenn. Strange choices, as you said, that weakened the sides. And, and he's obviously not done that on purpose, but you struggle to go out, you know, the subs that he's made, breaking up that partnership up front. What what, what on earth are you thinking there? And, and, yeah, and you, you, you can never categorize it. And it's easy with hindsight, of course. Yeah, you can never categorically say that's a stupid thing to do at the time. Mm. But... That you know, that's why football managers have paid the big bucks to make to make decisions. Um, and if it if it goes wrong, then you're you're going to get you're going to get pulled up on it, especially if it's the sort of thing where you know to the to the outside world it doesn't quite make sense. You know, I, I wonder if there was a bit of complacency in the second half because the first half, apart from the scoreline, was relatively easy. Mm. Um, and when Norwich come out firing in the second half, you know they they obviously pushed up a lot more. And the the lad who came on, Sergeant, is more of a forward player than than Cantwell and he's more of a physical presence where we just didn't we just didn't deal with it and I'm, I'm not sure how it stopped our fullbacks getting forward but it but it certainly did you know they for example Livermento wasn't pushed right up on um, on Brandon Williams like he was in the first half hmm. so Norwich obviously changed something and um, yeah as, as, as Dan said we just didn't we just didn't seem to react to it at all and it, it was one of those games where on about, from about sort of 55, before he made the first substitution, I was already struggling to see us getting another goal. Hmm. It, it just seemed like the life had gone out of us sort of thing. I, I didn't think, I didn't actually think Norwich would score again, but you know, games are basically what games in the Premier League are basically won and lost in the two penalty areas. And if you throw in two goals, you're going to find it really hard to win a game. Norwich didn't have to work hard for their goals. Yeah, really. that's true. We caused the problems ourselves, didn't we? Yeah, I think. yeah. definitely. Yeah. Let's talk about the goalkeeping then. Dan, last week we were talking about Alex McCarthy, or last time out, and you knew I was going to come to you with this, um, potentially playing for England. Can we forgive him a poor game? 
questionable for both goals yesterday, and I know that he won't be happy with that. But have we seen too many of these blips? As Glenn takes a swig of his drink. <laughs> <laughs> Got a bit of popcorn out. He's baying for blood now, isn't he? Um, yeah, I, I've been uh, an advocate of McCarthy's this season. Um, I think he's had undue criticism a fair bit and you know, he's made some big saves and they've kept a lot of clean sheets. Mm. Yesterday wasn't good enough. You know, it, 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 you've got to say how it was. It wasn't good enough. And let, let's be honest, he doesn't need me to say that or anyone else to say it. You'd like to think he will know that wasn't good enough. And it, the second one in particular was just, yeah, it's cost Southampton the game, isn't it? You can't concede that kind of goal. You you just can't do it. And he 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 has. And yeah, I you know you call a mistake a mistake. It was a mistake. Do I think he should now all of a sudden be dropped for Fraser? Ford? Absolutely not. I I don't think so. It was a poor game. I'd like to think he will know it was a poor game. And yeah, I mean, it, I was going to say look forward to the next one, but they're playing Liverpool. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know where you go from here. But <laughs> be a bit, bit harsh to say, here you go, Fraser, you go and play that one. <laughs> no, look, in all seriousness, though, look, it was a it was a poor game from Alex. As I say, he he doesn't need us to say that. He he will know that. And Ralph was, you know, I think his words were very, very, very you know, three varies disappointed about the manner of that goal. So yeah, let let's be honest. I think everyone at the team knows. What, what happened and it it can't happen again um it's cost Southampton three points and yeah it, it's just not great is it just, what we just, don't what we don't want sh- though just to share it around mine um sure. I mean Lianco was supposed to be marking yeah. Hanley he had him yeah. lost him you know and he he got a, he got a header in from six yards so as as always it's not and it's very rarely solely one person's fault you know Lianco ended up stood at the back post marking absolutely no one and yeah. you know so it, it's it you know as I keep saying it's a team game and you know Lianco has to do better there as well. The only thing I would I guess chuck into the mix, Steve, is that we know pretty much that Forster is going to be going in the summer. So is that something that we look at when we get to January? Do you think it depends on depends on who's available? I mean, there's certainly been reports. I don't know if don't know if Dan can corroborate this, but certainly been reports that we're interested in picking Sam Johnston up from West Brom, who's obviously in the in the England setup and. Um, I think is out of contract in the summer as well. So that would kind of work out quite nicely. I think he's the he's the he's a good age and is the right sort of profile in terms of his physique and being decent with the ball at his feet as well. So whether there's a deal to be done to make sure that we're not in a basic basically just in a sort of wage competition with other with other clubs in the summer, maybe there's there's something that we could look at in January. But it's it's one of those of how much how much money are you willing to put on the table just to avoid paying more money in wages and the player himself will probably quite rightly say well hang on why don't I just sit it out and I'll get more of that money for myself unless unless there's someone that that we've been tracking for a while that suddenly we think we might be able to get in January I don't, I don't see the point we'll wait till the summer it's always a, a, a hot topic of conversation. Um, Saint194 says, let's not forget that Fraser Forster went through a period of time where he couldn't catch a cold either. Um, and that's how McCarthy got back in the side, if I remember. Uh, and Simo says, to, go on, Dan. No, I was going to say, just to jump in on the, the comments Steve made about Sam Johnson as we are talking about goalkeepers. Mm. I think I reported a little while ago that you know Southampton were certainly looking at him and looking at the situation. And at the time, I thought it made you know a lot of sense. Yeah, that you could see that happening. But when you think about it, and I thought about it quite a bit. You know, they've given McCarthy a new three-year contract. If you then go and sign Sam Johnston, I don't know, you're then not in exactly the same position you were when you had Fraser and Alex, where you're basically paying two number ones and one has to sit on. It, they would just be repeating mm. that same mistake. 
in my opinion. I think the fact that Alex has signed that new contract, I think you know, they put their eggs in his basket at least for the next kind of two, two or three years. And I just think if, if you went and got Sam Johnston, are you not just in the same situation you are now where you're paying two goalkeepers an awful lot of money and one is just sitting on the bench? I think, I think it depends on the scale of McCarthy's contract. I mean, everyone knows that Forster's one of our highest paid players. Hmm. So that, that situation has been quite often financially driven um, over the last few years in terms of whether whether we play him or whether we look to um, shift him um, shift him out on loan. But it's... Yeah, it's one. It's one of those where I think they've got to, they've got to kind of take everything into consideration. But at the same time, you've got to, ultimately you've got to um, find find your best option. If there's a better goalkeeper out there than Alex McCarthy, and as a Premier League club, I think we should probably we should certainly be looking to see if there is one. Then that sh- then it should be our aim because let, let's be let's be honest neither him or Forster have managed to nail down the position where both of them have gone through spells of being being terrible yeah um so clearly neither of them are i'm not going to say perfect because you're never going to get perfect at our level but then neither of them are ideal for us in that they're definitely going to give you a seven seven out of ten performance every week and what we don't um, want to go back to is the, the days of switching between the two of them because i think we all yeah. agreed unanimously that whilst we couldn't decide who should be in goal we always thought that that was uh, was a particularly bad idea um speaking of the big earners theo walcott had half a chance with that free header difficult to build a case for him getting on the, the pitch at the moment glenn certainly looking at um i think you mentioned <laughs> that we'd be better off playing with 10 men didn't you yesterday uh yeah i might have mentioned that um <laughs> still stand by that <laughs> well i suppose Really, if if he was in any sort of decent form, you would have expected him to start the game, seeing that Gineppo and Armstrong and Redmond were all unavailable. He's kind of the only senior wide man left. But instead of that, Ralph's decided to go with Diallo kind of out of position. So he wasn't considered to start, even though he was, you know, in terms of profile, the obvious person to do so. Bringing him on as a sub, taking off our most informed player, Che Adams and Re- replacing him with Theo, who is our most out-of-form player, was mind-blowing. You know, for me, I just, I just couldn't get it. He Theo looks to be playing with absolutely zero confidence, which is not what you expect from a player of, of his experience. He should be able to sort of rise above that and, and at least at least contribute something. But there's, there's just, just nothing there at the moment. He, he, he's so far away from being a useful sort of like member member of the side at the moment um and, you know i don't want to don't want to go on about the guy too much but it, and it's not it's not his fault we lost the game no. um, he's basically got but, redmond's self-esteem from about two years ago isn't he yeah yeah i mean we, we you know we get you know we, we've elianusi's back from the dead as far as i'm concerned i mean i was i was surprised he got taken off yesterday as well because he you know he wasn't he wasn't bad you know um i was surprised he got substituted Stuart Armstrong seems to have had trouble with injuries. And, you know, Nathan Redmond has kind of risen in my estimation a little bit this season as well. But, you know, Walcott's gone backwards this year. And uh, you you do wonder if we're going to see any sort of return on the investment we've made with the two-year contract for him. Tough one. So Liverpool next. Um, What have you made to their their start of the season, Steve? (laughs) Oh, they've been rubbish. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) Um, Great to result of the weekend. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... mean, the end of the day, I think that um, last season where they were defending champions and had basically everybody injured at various stages of the season, I think you 
you probably didn't get a didn't get a realistic appraisal of of how good that that t- that set of players is. And now we're starting to kind of see it again uh, this season. And and Arsenal have been on a good run recently, but you kind of look at who they've played and who they've beaten and you think, well, let's take it in context. They've not played anybody half decent. And now they've come up against one of the best and just had their asses handed to them. Hmm. Um, I mean, that, that, se- that second half was just, just an absolute, just all over them. Absolute carnage. And 4-0 was probably flattering in the end. So, I mean, Ralph's going to have to set us up pretty damn well for us to have any hope of getting anything from there. Yeah. Although, saying that, um, Liverpool do have a bit of a bit of a record of being a little bit complacent against uh, against sort of seemingly weaker opposition, having blown a two-goal lead at home to Brighton um, mm. not too long ago, and Brighton are falling um, falling back down the table as you kind of expected them to do, and yet they still managed to get get a draw at Anfield. So, yeah, it's not not out of the realms of possibility, but. Yeah, not um, not going into that with any degree of confidence, to be honest. Is it a good opportunity to bounce back, though, Dan? Because I'm thinking about the game away at Manchester City, where we, we set up well, we put in a good performance. I'm trying to sort of grasp at some straws here. Is, is, is this a good game in a way in that it's a, it's a free hit? Because we're not expecting to, to win there? Uh, I don't think any game really is kind of a, a free hit. I think you have ones where you don't expect to win. But I, I know the way Ralph op- operates... He he doesn't look at this game as a. It doesn't really matter what happens at Anfield because you weren't expected to win there. He sees these as, you know, his biggest tests, and he seems to get himself up for them more than perhaps other games. I think if you look at that Man City performance away from home, you know they can kind of replicate that. Then they're going to have a good chance of at least keeping Liverpool quiet. I mean, I think that's going to be a very difficult task based on the evidence we saw yesterday and based on what we saw from Southampton. But Ralph has this funny thing about gearing his players up for these for these kind of games. And why not? I mean, they haven't got anything to lose in that regard. So yeah, they, they could absolutely go there, put in a, a good performance. And all it takes is Liverpool to, you know, drop their levels by 5 or 10%. And then that, for them, will make all the difference. The only concern I have is that it doesn't take a lot for Liverpool to score. They don't need that many chances and they don't need to have particularly good chances and they, they tend to score. Whereas against Man City, I, I don't remember rightly, I think obviously at the end where they had the goal chalked off, but they didn't create loads of chances, which I thought, oh, that that should have gone. I can't, unless I'm, I, you know, my memory's hazy, but I can't remember them making loads and loads of chances. And, and Liverpool are a side that do that. So it's going to be a long afternoon, but I wouldn't ultimately be surprised if Southampton did raise their levels and came away with a point, although I don't think they will leave Anfield with the point hmm. how do we set up for this one Glenn do we I presume Diallo on the right is not really going to be an option and you're not going to start with Walcott are you so <laughs> you know how, how do you go about this one I don't really know to be honest <laughs> I mean we've we've gone we've gone there with a standard 4-2-2-2 before the you know Ralph's Ralph's favorite formation hmm. and I I anticipate us us doing that he will try and cause them a problem going the other way we won't we won't sit in. I wouldn't have thought. I I guess there is a possibility he may start Lianco and go with three at the back, but I don't think he fully trusts him yet. You know, I think he's he's used him to sort of come in and try and sort a situation out, rightly or wrongly, halfway through a game. But he hasn't started with him yet, apart from the cup game. You know, any chances we create, we we have to take them. We can't be this one goal from ten chances or. 10 situations where we, you know, we can have a shot at goal. We, we, we have to be more clinical. 
and we can't give goals away, you know, because Liverpool are going to score good goals. You know, against most teams, they score good goals. They don't need the opposition defenders to to give them gifts or goalkeepers to throw it in their own net. You know, they, you you just have to have to keep things incredibly tight and with um, with a fair shake off the referee and a decent following win, maybe you can get something. Fingers what, crossed. What we all want to see is. Ralph and Jürgen in the same way that Mikel and Jürgen went at it yesterday. <laughs> I mean, that, that would be... As I was in the toilet at Carrow Road, this is a really glamorous picture I'm painting now. I was going to the toilet and where they are, they were like in the concourse. So all the fans are in there. And um, there was a bloke who was going for a wee and I was waiting. He said, not to me, to his mate, don't you think Ralph looks like the sort of guy that would punch you in a nightclub? <laughs> <laughs> was it the suit? <laughs> I don't know what it was. I think it was the three-piece suit because obviously when everyone's been away on international duty, it looked like he'd been to Moss Bros and, uh, and picked up a random three-piece suit. Well, I imagine he's but... been to Savile Row. I think Moss Bros is probably, you know, I doubt we'd go there. <laughs> I remember seeing something on Twitter a while ago where it, it ranked the 20, the 20 managers in the Premier League yeah, in terms know, of who, who would win in a fight. And oh, Ralph, no, Ralph got ranked that. pretty highly by everybody. He just looks hard, I guess. <laughs> there, there's one for next week, Dan. Maybe you can do that article. Yeah, um, yeah, let's, do sure score, yeah. let's do the score. Let's do the score predictions then. Um, shock horror. Nobody got the scores right last week. If you're watching the live stream, feel free to stick your predictions into the comments and uh, we'll see if you can get closer than we did. Um, Steve, do you want to kick us off with this? I just don't see anything other than a comfortable defeat for this one, but just get out of, get out of there and not be completely embarrassed. Uh, take a 3-0. All right, Glenn. Uh, I think we'll do okay, and I think we'll score as well. So I'll go a two-one to Liverpool. Two-one to Liverpool, and Dan. I was going to say two-one to Liverpool, but I'd go three-one Liverpool. So it's not to copy Glenn. All right, uh, Mark says nil-nil. So you know, I think we'd all settle for that in advance. Well, it'll, and... it'll be that at the start. <laughs> Alice says a 3 1 defeat, and uh, Glenn, who I think is watching our Facebook stream, has gone for 2 all. So, um, who knows? Whatever happens, I'm sure there's going to be plenty to discuss next week. Before we finish, a couple of other bits to tell you about. This week, I spent half an hour with the Saints managing director, Toby Steele. Um, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about ticketing, safe standing, the women's team, uh, improvements to the stadium, January transfer window, a little bit on that too. We're going to release that as a bonus episode of the pod. So, look out for that dropping on Wednesday. And we're constantly putting work into our TSP Icons store. This is the online shop, and we're adding new designs and updating some of your favorite items all the time. T Public, who hosts our store, run a huge sale all the time uh, across some of the products on there. So if you haven't already, do go and check it out. Uh, you can find the link in the show notes on the podcast uh, or in the description on our YouTube channel. That's about it, I think, for episode 176. So my thanks, as always, to Steve, to Glenn, and to Dan. Thank you, chaps. Have a good week. Uh, thanks also to our Matt Letizia tier patrons. That's Colt Baker, uh, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy and Phil Cook. Uh, Nick Reed is in our Francis Benali tier. And Anthony Thompson joined our £10 tier this week. So uh, welcome, Anthony, and thank you for your support. To find out more about becoming a TSP patron and the benefits that come with that, do check out the website. And you can find all the recent episodes of the Total Saints podcast on our YouTube channel. So do check that out. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit subscribe. You can follow us wherever you're listening to the podcast. Podcast. And on the socials, we are at Total Saints Pod. You'll find us on Twitter and Facebook. And if you'd like to get in touch with the team, maybe some questions for next week, you can always drop us an email as well via the website. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching and have a good week.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.